All right, Father's Day. It's good to see you. We're going to press right on that big theme together. Come on in and join us if you're in the back. We've been doing these Skeptic Sundays once a month where we're just hitting on some themes that a Bostonian might kind of squint their eye at and say, really? I'm not so sure about that. So on Father's Day, we're going to talk about this idea of fatherhood together. Okay, a little bit of an oversimplification, but I'm good at that. I'm just going to simplify things for you to hear them. I often get two totally different responses when I say to somebody, hey, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your dad. One of those is this one right here. Sometimes I get this. Wait for it. There it is. My dad was awesome. Sometimes I get that. My dad just crushed it. Um, So if you were here last Sunday out front after the service, you saw an example of this. Did anyone witness super dad Jeremy Redden last Sunday saving someone's child? You didn't see this? So we've got this one-year-old boy. His name is Jackson. He's one of those kids that learned to walk at like six weeks. You know, sometimes he's just like marching around the house. And uh, last Sunday, Jackson decided, not only can I walk, but I can walk downstairs. And so he puffed out his chest. He walked right up to the front, just like this, like he was the mayor of the city. And you know our three steps out there? One, two, three concrete steps onto a concrete landing. He went just like this. Gravity being what it is, his body began to go parallel to the ground. And I was sitting and talking with Amy, three feet away from him, and I did not move an inch. You know how the world slows down on its axis in those moments and everything kind of freezes? And all these thoughts went through my head. Um, He's going to break his nose. He's going to be scarred for life. There's going to be a pool of blood that welcomes you to Seven Mile Road now, stained in the concrete every Sunday. We're going to be in the Melrose police blotter because there's an ambulance coming. All those thoughts went through my head, but I didn't move an inch. Jeremy was on the other side of the landing out there near the sidewalk. And I don't know how he did this, but he covered about 12 yards of ground in mid-fall. It was like Superman, the Flash. You know the guy with the Fantastic Four plastic arms? Inspector Gadget, it was all of those things put together. And somehow he didn't even just get there in time, but he got low enough to catch his head less than an inch from the ground. How, how thick is a human finger? Jer- Jeremy is 6'2", 145, so that's a thin finger. <laughs> he got those bony fingers right under his head and scooped them up into his arms, and I was like, you are super dad. Some of us would say, that was my experience of my father, he just nailed it. If that was you, you look forward to Father's Day. Very often I also get this response, my dad was awful. If that was my dad, he would have just let me smash my face on the ground, then he would have laughed at me and Instagrammed it, then he would have punished me when I got home, or much worse, If that was my dad, he probably would have been the one who tripped me at the top of the stairs or like gave me a push. Or the worst 
conversations evolve, I don't know how my dad would have responded. Because if that was my dad, he wouldn't have been there. When I think of my dad, I think absent. You feel that? Sometimes dads are just devastating. Just this week, I got a text message describing a father, and it said, failed incredibly entire life long. You feel that? If that is you in this room, Father's Day is hard and complicated. We want you to know that we get it. We recognize that. We are sorry. We love you. And I think there's going to be some hope in the gospel truth that we press into today. Now, for most of us, our dispositions toward our dads is a little bit in the middle of those two, right? So some memories, some experiences, dad was awesome. Others, not so much. Now, here's what's fascinating, beautiful, and very interesting about your Bible. The Bible teaches us that Whichever is the case with our dads, good, bad, ugly, we are to honor our dads. That's the clear teaching of Scripture. I want to talk about why that command is and what it actually means with you today. All right, let's pray and we'll do it. Father, as we look at three verses of Scripture, I pray that the goodness of your fatherhood would be crystal clear in this room. I pray that you would heal us. I pray that you would move us to obey you by being a church that honors our fathers. Hear my prayer for that and answer, I pray, amen. Okay, if you are alive right now in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, you know that we have this ubiquitous and relentless social experiment going on. We are attempting to throw off our Christian history to renounce the standard of the word of God for what we believe and what we do and how we live and replace it with our own standards. That's what we've been about for a couple of generations in Massachusetts. Literally living Psalm 2 together. That is us. Language, sexuality, education, law, economics, all of these things are being uprooted from the rich and the fertile and the the life-bringing soil of the law of God and replanted in this thin and perverse and poisoned soil of whatever we came up with last. One of those institutions that is in our crosshairs that we are uprooting is the idea of fatherhood. I'm actually surprised we still have Father's Day. We're trying to uproot this institution from the roots. Okay, there's a hundred ways to walk you through this. The way that I did it for myself this week was thinking of TV shows as I, has be- as I have become an old man. So think of fatherhood with me in, in four trends. Here was the first one, The Brady Bunch. Does anyone know about this show? <laughs> we don't have cable, we have an antenna, and it still pulls this old TV show channel. So my kids are well familiar with The Brady Bunch. Mike Brady was the man, right? He not only, uh, his wife, he was a widower, he not only loved his wife and his three sons, but he also took responsibility for these three daughters and built this beautiful, crazy home with them. 
and he was a stand-up guy that by the end of every episode did the right thing. What was the message of the Brady Bunch? Dads are honorable. Okay, from there we came to the Simpsons. You know this one? Homer J. Simpson. All of a sudden, dad was clueless. Just a, a fool and a moron and a mess and unreliable. But he was still present. He was still a part of the family. They still loved him, right? And the message was, dad is clueless, but he's still lovable. We, we still want him around. Okay, then there was this show, Gilmore Girls. Now, I'm not saying I watched it. I'm saying somebody told me about this show. Who was the dad in this show? There was no dad, right? Now, whatever the cause there, his failures or whatever it was, Gilmore Girls was about, hey, dad's not here, but it's going to be okay. We got this. We can do this. And it wasn't so much smashing on dad, but saying, if he's not around, we're going to be okay. And the message was, we don't really need dads. Dads are optional. Okay, now in our day, things are going downhill really fast. So I don't know if you know of this show, The Bold Type. Um, so here's the advertisements that you will see for this show. On Tuesday night, join us as we smash the patriarchy. That is the box ad that shows up for the bold type. Uh, there are no dads in this show. There are no men in this show. The theme here is that men are generally evil, and dads are men who have been entrusted with authority. That is like the worst evil of all. We need to smash that. Dads are evil. You feel this trajectory? Now, you could trace it through literature, through academia, through the movies if you wanted to. Here's our question. Why are we careening in that direction? Why? Here's why. We will not have God as our Father and our evidence of our rejection of Him as Father is we will not love or honor our earthly dads. We won't do it. Do you know what an effigy is? Have you heard that word before? So when someone wants to express their rejection or their vitriol towards somebody, but they can't actually get their hands on them, what do they do? They get an effigy, like a statue or a poster or a t-shirt that represents that person, and then they smash it, trash it, burn it, step on it. Have you seen this before? So in the Philippines, they're doing this with President Rodrigo. In Mexico, they're doing this with President Trump. When LeBron signed with the Heat, they did this in Cleveland. They took his 23 jerseys and they set them on fire, burning, smashing in effigy. That is at the core of what our rejection of fatherhood is. It just is. We reject all forms of earthly fatherhood because we will not have God as our father. This is so interesting because the, the Trinitarian confessions of the early church, they were always in defense of which member of the Trinity. Do you know? Who was it that the first confessions, Trinitarian confessions, had to defend his honor? Who was it? It was Jesus, the Son. They had to fight for his virgin birth and his resurrection and his divinity and his humanity and his perfection. It was constantly defending the honor of the Son. 
all the attacks in their day were on Jesus. But you live in a different age. Bostonians are kind of good with Jesus, right? At least the emasculated, edited version of Jesus. But we have the t-shirts. Jesus is my homeboy. We're good with Jesus. And many Bostonians will tell you, hey, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. And so we're open at least to the idea of God as a spirit in some sense. But God as Father exercising authority in our lives, we will not have it. This is why you can go Bibles, buy Bibles now where over a third of the references to the word Father or the cognates of Father are gone, gone. But we can't do it exclusively because there's some places where you just can't take Father out. But we are editing our Bibles to remove the fatherhood of God. Have you paid attention to the Trinitarian debates that are going on now? What is the one thing that we are bent on doing in those conversations? Removing the reality of fatherhood and sonship from the eternal Godhead. We got to pull that out of there. And then if anybody in this room has taken a Religion 101 course in any college in the Commonwealth, almost in the country, what would you have been taught about the Christian doctrine of the fatherhood of God? That it is an archaic, man-made, awful, harmful, Bronze Age projection. Have you heard that? So we evolved from monkeys, but that sketchy Y chromosome was still around. And so the male humans were bigger and stronger than the female humans. And so, over time, we just figured, hey, if men are stronger than women, and God is like the biggest, strongest of it all, then he must be like a father, like a grandmaster father. And we projected earthly biology onto divinity. And please, can we stop that? The problem is, is that is not true, and not only not true, it is literally 100% Backwards, it's flipped around. All human fatherhood has its genesis, its root, its origin in the eternal, glorious, good fatherhood of God. Here's how we say this doctrinally. God's fatherhood is the archetype of human fatherhood. That word archetype comes from Greek, two words, arche, the original, the primitive form, and type, a model or an example. So you have God as Father, eternally, benevolence, strength, providence, provision, love. And then he infuses all of that glory and that goodness of that fatherhood into earthly fatherhood. All right, we could sketch this a bunch of places in the Bible. Let's just look at one together. This is Ephesians 3. Paul is telling Christians in a city like ours, I pray for you, and when I do, for this reason I bow my knees before the potter from whom paspatria in heaven and on earth is named. All right, I left a little bit of Greek transliteration up there so that you can see it. In Greek, the word play that the Spirit is doing here is on the theme of father. 
So you have the Father, God, the one to whom Paul prays. And then you have from him all fatherhood, sometimes translated every family or all familyhood. And the big idea is very clear that fatherhood spearheads, grounds families, and that earthly reality gets its shape from, its contours from, its definition from the fatherhood of God. This verse and the truth behind this verse changes everything about how we think about fatherhood as an institution. At the root of all fatherhood is a perfect dad. A perfect dad. Now, I could preach for that on hours. I want to give you one scene that will just take your breath away. Think about the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is here, and he is going to identify with us completely. And so he goes out into the Jordan River to say, I need to be baptized just like all sinners because I am here to stand in their place and to save them from their sin. When he wades into those waters of baptism, it is the first time in the Gospels that we hear God the Father speaking. And what does he say? Hold on to your chair because it will knock you back. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is the archetype of fatherhood. Everything you need to know about the good ground of fatherhood is found in this story and in this verse of Scripture. Number one, he is present. He is there. He is not missing. He is right there. Number two, he identifies with his son. That's my boy. You feel it? Not I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, I'm dodging the fact that he came from me. He is mine and I am his, unashamed. Number three, this is my deeply loved son. Can you feel the affections that ground the fatherhood of God? And then number four, in whom I am well pleased. Can you feel the delight, the joy, the father's heart leaping at this moment as his son begins to fulfill his obedience? This is fatherhood. This is the fatherhood from which all the fatherhood in this world and all the fatherhood in this church comes from. This is why we say, even if these words and this scene is not your story, even if this baptism of Christ and God's expression of identification and presence and love and joy is foreign to you, even if you have only been failed by, mangled by, hurt by, abandoned by your Father. Healing is not going to come in your railing against 
fatherhood. No. Healing comes when you throw yourself into the arms of this Father. In believing the gospel, which declares to you that you have been adopted by this dad. That he has set his affections on you. That if he was to walk in the back doors of this room, he would go face by face and say, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. They thrill my heart. It is only when you believe the gospel of adoption to be true that you are then finally securely settled with God as your father. And then do you know what happens in your soul from that moment on? God the Father, by his spirit, is going to soften your heart toward the institution of fatherhood. And to your dad in particular. I'm telling you. You will find your new gut reaction to fatherhood not being smash, but embrace and honor. Honor. It should be no surprise to anybody in the room that the foundational command of Scripture toward our fathers is what? Second tablet of the law, the tenth. Ten Commandments, number four. There it is in black and white. Here it is. Honor your father. Honor him. So there is this sick and twisted heresy that is rising up in American pulpits right now that God's law is passe and unneeded and irrelevant and we should get unhitched from it as New Testament Christians. Nonsense. Just the opposite is true. Our justification, always issues in sanctification, and that is aligning our lives more and more tightly behind the law of God in how we live. And God's law says that the fundamental disposition of our hearts toward our church fathers and our earthly fathers is that we would honor them. All right, let's talk about honor. Have you heard this phrase before? Respect is earned but honor is given. Have you heard that before? So there's some truth in that statement. The, the big idea there is that when we honor someone, we don't do it because of their performance or because of their merit. We honor them simply because their station, their identity, their essence deserves honor. So the Bible says to you, honor everyone. Did you ever go like time out? You know, what about literature professors and Yankee fans and diversity officers? And we're supposed to honor everyone regardless? How can I do that? The Bible's answer in one sense is yes. Why? Because you and I and all of us in all of our sin and imperfection, we bear the image of God. You would never withhold honor from a man, a woman, a baby, a son, a daughter. You honor them just because God's stamp is on them. The Bible says honor the king, and that was written when Nero was the emperor, and he was a mess. There's honor in the office of civil ruler. 
Husbands, you are to honor your wives even in their sin because they are equal to you, partners with you in this marriage. Churchgoers, you are to honor your pastors as jacked up as they are because the office of elder is honorable. And it's the same thing with your dad. There is dignity in his office, in his station, dignity. And we are to honor our fathers. I don't know if you saw The Force Awakens, but it has one of the worst movie moments that I've seen in years. Kylo Ren is standing on the bridge with his father, and spoiler alert, he murders him. He murders his father. I almost needed to get up and leave the movie theater. I was just so troubled at at that scene. That is wrong. It doesn't matter how bad of a dad Han Solo was, and like I get the impression he might have been like one of the worst, right? I'm sure he was way more awful than awesome. You are called to bear with your dad. You are called to embrace your dad. You are called to love your dad in all of his faults and his failures. Honor your father. We should be grieved as Bostonians that our movies and our TV shows are patricidal. Instead, we should be doing this. Let's build a culture where we honor our fathers as sinful and imperfect as they are. If you're here and your dad was really bad, I would love to sit with you and talk with you about that and process that with you. But general gospel truth, our hearts are to honor our fathers. All right, I'm done. What we're going to do now is model that with you by having some of our sons and daughters, who are the arrows that we are going to shoot into this world to the glory of God, model this for us. And just stand up here and say, hey, for two minutes, I'm going to honor my father. As you observe this and take this in, I want you to pray with me that the Lord would make this truth, that honoring dads is a beautiful one in the life of our church. All right, Timmy's going to come up first. He's our one son who is brave enough to do this. So we're going to let him lead us off like a good, strong, masculine presence. Uh, Go for it. My name is Timmy Roseau. I'm 11 years old. I have two younger brothers and one sister. There are many qualities about my dad that I like, but here are two that are very special to me. First one is he is generous. He gives me allowance every week and, more importantly, gives of his time. He is always finding ways a way to practice sports like basketball, baseball, and soccer. He joins me in what I like to do. He loves to find activities to do with all of us and has been coaching our baseball team for the past two years. He shows up at all our events after working a long day and offers encouragement and support. The second quality is that he is very patient in giving instructions to show what is right. He always listens when we ask him to let us do something. He considers our thoughts and respects our opinions. We have disagreements, but he takes the time to talk through the situation and bring resolution. He has shown what faithfulness looks like in our family and perseveres on days when I know it is hard. Those are two of many qualities of my dad that make him awesome. Rob, we honor you, Dad. Lauren. Lauren. 
Hi, I'm Lauren. Um, if you look closely into the life of my family and if you truly take the time to get to know my dad, there can be no denying that he is an amazing dad. When I think of him, two words often come to mind, silent servant. He cares for and about my family in more ways than we know or understand. He selflessly spends many hours every day working under a lot of stress and the expectations of a difficult boss. He never takes a sick day, even when he has a migraine. People at work rely on him to help them, and he does an amazing job. My dad comes home from this long day and spends time with us, or sometimes does more work. At night, he prays with us before we sleep and is always available to read a psalm or pray about any anxieties we might have. All of this he does to help and support our family because he loves us. He is faithful, loving, humble, patient, strong, quiet. People, myself included, rely on him for so many things. He teases and jokes with me and helps me when I'm feeling angry, sad, or frustrated. He is quick to tell me I look pretty or that he loves me. In my eyes, my dad is all the good things a dad should be. I'm so proud of him, and I love him so much. I'm so thankful to have such an amazing daddy. Jacob, we honor you in that. Madison. Madeline. Madeline. I've only only heard Maddie before. (laughs) My name is Madeline Alexander, and something that I love about my dad is that he helps me with softball. He drives me to all my games and practices, no matter how far they are. He will, help me, he will help me practice and give me tips, even when he has grading to do. He's been one of my coaches for seven years, and he's never stopped helping me play softball. Jeremy, we on you on that. How about Abby? She's got a whole book. book. Oh, man. man. (laughs) All right, you want to come right in the middle so everybody can see your face? That's good. One thing I really love about my dad is that he helps me and Alex get ready for bed every night. Each night, he spends time with us talking about our day. We tell him stories about what happened at school, and he always listens patiently. He also sings us songs and tells us stories that make us laugh. I like it best when he makes up stories with our family and friends in them. My dad also prays with us every night, and I like to pray out loud with him, too. I like it when my dad gets us ready for bed each night because he takes time out of his day to be with us, and that time is really special to me. Dave, we on you on that, brother. brother. Okay, here's my my ringer. ringer. Callie? Callie? that she'd be allowed to do this. I gave her. Is everything okay on that phone? I see a funny message. Hi, my name is Callie Cruz. My dad is Matthew Cruz. He is the lead pastor of Seven Mile Road. I am so blessed to have him as my dad. He is fun and energetic, but the most accurate word to describe my dad is enthusiastic. He... 
and always ready to leave the house. We love to go to Boston and take bike rides around Melrose, but my favorite part is when we go on trips outside of the state. We've gone to Indiana and Texas. In Indiana, we got to see my friend Paloma, and we got to go see IU. But my favorite part about Indiana was that I got to spend the whole time with my dad. That was definitely the highlight of my year. I'm so thankful that you and my dad. Happy Father's Day. All right, Connie. Hey, you did that great, my love. Awesome. All right. And, and Olivia. Olivia. Okay, Mara, can you go ahead and send us so that I can see? I'm sure everyone here loves their dad as much as I love my dad. Well, I love my dad much more than words can tell, and here are some reasons why I love him. One, he is always ready to support me in any way he can. Two, he works so hard for me so I can live a happy life with all the things I need. Three, my dad is always in the mood for playing a game, playing catch or basketball, and even to tell some funny jokes. Four, he always seems to be interested in what I did in school or what I have to say about something, even though sometimes I have boring things to say. Five, my father always thinks about me and cares for me. I truly love my father. If he wasn't my dad, I would not be who I am today. All right, and Marvin's not here, but we honor you and your fatherhood too, brother. Um, Next Father's Day, if, if you have a child in this church, maybe we'll get them up here and to do that, but we just grabbed a few. To, to say uh, there needs to be humility in the life of the church, and, and our children need to lead us in some ways. There is an innocence in their hearts about their dads that we need to go for together, even with our eyes wide open to the ways that they have failed us. Let's be a church that so wants God as our Father that we celebrate fatherhood in, in all the ways that it shows up in our, in our lives together. I'd like to pray together and ask for that grace. Father, you've allowed for sin in this world, and it's such a mystery to us, and yet you have not allowed sin to have the last word. So I pray that we would never let the brokenness of the things that you have given us, like fatherhood, cause us to rail against it. I pray first that you would turn the hearts of every single man and woman in this room to you as our Father. Your smile is on us. You never fail us. You are with us and for us all the way down. And I pray that from that place of security, we would then love and appreciate our dads, even with all the junk that is in there. Would you let us be a city on a hill that is horrified at patricide instead of place that is warm in our affections for our dads. I pray that in your providence as you enable men to become fathers, they would take that seriously. I pray for anybody in this room who, who does not have children that they would not allow that ever to stop them from being father to those in this church. 